This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. The top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Like I said before, we knew... This was going to be a challenge going against this defensive line. But with Joe Burrow, if someone worked, they would have told me. September 11th, Lindsay, Bengals Steelers. Joe Burrow, this offense going to turn the ball over five times. They're going to go to overtime, lose the game within seconds, but still have a chance to win the game. But Joe Burrow, your guy, the franchise quarterback, going to struggle that much giving the ball away and we mentioned in the first segment there's not a lot you can really blame on the wide receivers what happened to Joe Burrow today man it felt like early he was just late on everything and that's why all these interceptions were happening because I know there's all this stuff and nobody wants to talk about how his arm strength is pretty average for a starting quarterback and it's it's great he's still a great quarterback but you have to be able to point out your weaknesses and he's usually very good at overcoming that by being on time accurate everything the first throw he had of the game it was like you have to throw that before the receiver's breaking and then even other than that maybe the read is the high low on the corner but you have to be able to see that minka is just right on top of that so he throws it still and it just ends up oh it's late and it's underthrown, and that's the easiest pick six minka will have this season and then um other than that, it just a lot of these throws felt late. I know the one to Boyd was underthrown, in my opinion, because it looked like Boyd held up a lot to try to make that catch, and then it got undercut. Like he had his guy beat, and if you're able to lead him down the field, it it, it could be a touchdown. <laughs> but it was underthrown. Corner can get back in the play and make an interception. So it felt, yeah, it just felt off late it felt like he wasn't seeing the field as well as he normally does. Pittsburgh was able to either confuse him or at least give him something to make him hold the ball an extra tick. And I don't know. It it felt early that way. Late in the second half, I would say, I think he played at least like a, like a B level game. The first half was an F minus to me (laughs) because it was just like, I know it was probably the worst half of football we've ever seen him play at any level. Even like his, his junior year at LSU, he probably played better than this for the most part. It was, 
It was terrible. It, it was how you let Pittsburgh win that game because their offense isn't doing anything. Um, but and then you have to start hammering Joe Mixon because they, they just couldn't trust the passing offense. Part of it is the offensive line was giving up a lot of pressure, but we just have to be able to point the finger at Joe Burrow when he has a bad game because this probably isn't happening again. I don't think there's a chance. Knock on wood right now. Yeah, knock on wood, but I don't think there's a chance he does this badly in a half again over an entire game, probably not. Like the first half was so bad, it turns like the entire game into a stinker. Four interceptions, Andy get, had the strip sack. It's just, that's rough. And uh, I think a lot of people are complaining about the, um, the early down runs, but According to the advanced analytics, it was within a one hundredth of a point of EPA per play between early down run and early down pass because of how many interceptions and sacks that were happening on those early down passes. So, yeah, didn't matter. It was it was let him throw the ball and risk interception, but you're it's a little bit more efficient. Or you run the ball and it's not as efficient, but at least you're not turning the ball over. And I will say, I thought Joe Mixon had a really good game. I know he ended up at three yards per carry. A lot of that is they got really reliant on it and it felt, you know, Pittsburgh started teeing off a little bit on that, getting some negative plays out of it. But I'm thinking of that big fourth and one run and credit to Drew Sample got a pancake on. I think, I don't want to say who it was, but it was a linebacker linebacker in the hole. I don't know if it was like an insert play for him to get in there and block that guy. Or if he was slicing across, saw him haven't watched the replay, but he gets in there and he turns him and puts him on his back and mix has just run right by him. If only he could have beaten Minka to the end zone and uh, gotten that touchdown. Cause that would have been the, the difference of the game. Cause then you get a Volson false start. And then the whole drive's killed. But to me, I don't know about you, but it just felt like passing the ball was almost like a fruitless endeavor to start the game because of how off Burrow was, late and inaccurate. And then to go with that, I don't know, it's just the pass rush too. When he when he wasn't inaccurate, it felt like he was under pressure or taking a sack. And then he comes out in the second half and he's good. Yeah, and that's the thing. At halftime, I knew Joe was going to go in the locker room and just be fine. But at the same time, it brought back the Browns game at Paul. It was Paul Brown Stadium. Oh, God. Here, I want to say that right. When it rained, it poured. But I almost don't feel like it was similar to this game because you still had a defense who showed up and still underrated after this game. But with Joe Burrow, it's the Bears game. It's this game. And, and as you mentioned, I feel like we get it maybe once and a half, but Joe's going to be fine. One thing that I remember about Andy Dalton as a quarterback, and no offense to Andy Dalton, he's no longer here right now. I wish him all the best. But when Andy was bad, he was bad for the whole entire game. And there was no coming back from that. When Andy was okay, he was okay. He was an average quarterback. Everybody knew what they were getting from Andy Dalton. With Joe, he can come back in the second half and local cray. And we would be talking about them coming back and making it 20 all. It was still ugly. But at the same time, do you think with him, training camp, obviously everybody knows the appendix stuff. He had to miss a few weeks for that. No preseason games. I don't even want to bring that in as an excuse. But just in general, getting those reps with your wide receivers, your offensive line, kind of a little late into getting those in August. Is that a factor at all? Or do you think this team thought, nah, we have a good offense. We're going to be fine. You know yeah, part of me feels it is the appendix and not being able to practice, but he was able to practice a bit. I, don't, I think you can throw some blame at that, but 
to me, it felt a lot like they came into this game thinking they could just walk through it. And maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe I shouldn't no, be saying I don't that. Think but, that's the, but the first throw of the game is what it felt like. It felt like he saw his guy and he was like, oh, my guy's better than his. I'll just toss this one up and let him go make a play. And then it's a pick six. And then, you know, everything's real. <laughs> to me, at least, I was like, okay, that, now, now you got to turn it on because you can't be putting yourself in this hole. And then they kept digging the hole. And we're not even having all this conversation if they could just hit the extra point. But it is just worth having of – you know, if the worst thing that happens to you over the course of the game is the quarterback you're confident is a great quarterback, has a terrible game, then you're fine because he's not going to have another game like this again. If that's the issue, that's okay. Now there's multiple issues. Does the pass protection get better? I think it does, but it is something to watch. Dallas has a talented front too, not on the interior as much, but they'll move Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence is a good player. Number one defense last year. And then, uh, won't look ahead of that, but um, just you got to see how they improve. And then, you know, Zach Taylor is eh, what he is. He's not going to scheme guys with 15 yards of separation for the most part. But to me, he's he's going to get his guys, the you know, he gets his playmakers one-on-one -on -one opportunities. Can they win those? And that usually determines the game. And we also have to point out T. Higgins' injury was big. I mean, Huge. you had the multiple times it felt like, a ball to Mike Thomas, the one he alligator armed over the middle and they end up getting a touchdown there. But that was in my opinion. I was just like, Oh man, T catches that T catches that comes down, maybe takes a big hit, but he's going to catch that and come down with it. There was the, uh, there was a deep ball, I believe on the left sideline. And I think Burrow may have thrown it a little bit too far out of outside, but still, I'm like, ah, T's 6'4". Maybe he can come down with that. It's just they also would respect T a lot more than they were probably respecting you know, Mike Thomas. All credit to him. Great catch in the two-point conversion. But overall, it was just very, you know, you really want T. Higgins in there. Tyler Boyd was leaving with cramps. The Bengals' offense ran 100 plays, so this makes sense and why the Steelers' defense was all cramping up too. Mm -hmm. But overall, I looked at it, and I was – very concerned after the first half about what the offense was going to be. But once, and I will say the protection even gelled better in that second half. I don't think it was perfect. I think a lot of people are going to think about that TJ Watt play, but that was a hands to the face where he got injured. It was Collins falls down because there's two hands on his chin <laughs> lifting his helmet off. I wasn't that concerned about it. I, I wasn't that concerned about the pass protection in the second half. Even the interior against Hayward seemed to be doing better. Some of you that you could say is the Steelers defensive line just getting gassed, but I think the it was just gelling more as a unit and then the whole offense is just rocking and rolling but it was it was a big hole and they didn't find a way to come out of it they the offense really didn't deserve to win and i think that's okay burrow didn't deserve the win he might have been the worst player on the field tonight and that's okay we could admit these things because they're probably not going to happen again the entire season so to me you you have a not good offensive performance led by something that's not sustainable because Burrow playing this poorly isn't sustainable. That's not going to happen again. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
I want to bring up the T. Higgins thing as we record this week because he is under concussion protocol and a lot can happen. He could be back Wednesday, Thursday, when I feel like we'll really get an update on his status for the game in Dallas, which is huge and something we should pay attention to because we've talked about it before. When it comes to health, we talk about these wide receivers, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase. Did they play games last year without T. Higgins? 100%. They played the first Steelers game without T. last year. But at the same time, he's a major factor on this offense. He'd be a number one wide receiver on a lot of NFL teams out there and I don't feel like that's a hot take so yes not having him is huge in the second half there's criticism after a loss as we've talked about it before and you mentioned it in the first segment with Zach Taylor you go back to just seconds minutes in the fourth quarter of what looked to be a Jamar Chase touchdown this team challenges they're challenge happy they're not afraid to challenge things were you a little surprised they ran that next play so quickly and didn't challenge that legitimately uh i don't know if surprise i might have been shocked because yeah. they wasted the time out right after <laughs> they, they could have just thrown the challenge flag and if you lose you lose the time out but oh my god i i i yeah i couldn't believe it I, especially when everybody was watching the replay and it's close like that's the thing is just it was so close that you just throw the challenge flag in my opinion just just because it's so close. If you can get the six-point swing, and maybe you're just confident your offense can still score, but then Burrow throws a little bit of a, a little uh, floater, and the corner's able to get under it and tip it back, and now you're walking with zero points when you could have had seven. That's that's brutal to me. It, it's just because I think there's been plenty of screenshots, replays that look quite a bit like he had that ball across the, the goal line, that's rough. That, that's a, that's rough to not throw the challenge when you know that Zach Taylor does like to throw the challenge flag. Now it's a whole replay crew, I believe. So upstairs, maybe didn't think it was worth it or they needed more time to review it. But yeah, when, when they didn't throw a challenge flag and it was that close to being a six point swing, that's the big thing to me. It's just the offense isn't cooking against the Steelers defense. Getting that touchdown was huge, but they, they didn't throw a challenge flag. They let it go. And then you don't score. <laughs> yeah. You take away the offensive line. Obviously, we talked about that. Their first game together, Joe Burrow, he was bad today. And we can talk about that when Joe Burrow is bad because hopefully that's the last time we see Joe Burrow that bad in a first half of NFL game, especially at home against Pittsburgh, which, you know, I felt like they had pretty much a shot in this game, even though we were a little, little worried about it. Besides all of that, what concerns you about this offense right now? Yeah, I mean – I am a, a little bit concerned about when defenses go into those. I think Pittsburgh was playing a lot of, you know, too high, let's protect deep and get some doubles on these wide receivers versus stacking the box. And when the offensive line isn't able to run block, do you have answers? Because Burrow ends up with uh, average depth of target that's like 6.7 yards, and that's well under average for him and the league. And that signifies to me that he needed to get the ball out both quick and underneath. So when that happens and then Mixon, while I think he had a great game, there were just too many plays that got completely blown up. It, that part looked a little bit like last year where guys would miss a block and stuff, but that's also in my mind where it's like, that's just the offensive line gelling. That's the defense being able to tee off because they know what's coming because they kind of, turtled up in the end of that first half to be able to just get out of there with some points. 
I don't know. The concern for me is what is your answer when the deep threats of the offense are taken away? Can you find a way to dink and duck down the field or run the ball with efficiency? They didn't show it today, really. And that would be a concern for going into the future of, is that a way to play this team? Can you take them away because they don't, ha they don't have the protection. This could get better. I think it gets better. Does it? We'll see. Do they don't have the protection to work the uh, intermediate middle of the field and they don't have the run blocking to be able to pound the defense for playing these, you know, deeper shells playing even in the box versus plus one. So that's what I'm looking for is just, can they find a way to punish teams for doing that? Or if a team has a good front and can beat this offensive line, are they just fine to just play deep and try to, force everything underneath. All right. Well, we'll have more coming up. Like I said, we have a week where we'll get updates on T Higgins status. So we'll look ahead to Dallas. But next, what did we learn after week one on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati?